Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? We've brought uh, back Mr. Uh, Turnup Charlie, who isn't canceled along with his show. Aww. And you guys haven't met him yet, but he is uh, one of our Marvel gurus, comic book gurus, all around just guru-type people. Mr. Adam Barnhart's on the show. What's going on? You know, this is a major milestone for me. I, I watch you guys every week, and, and I almost kind of have butterflies because I actually get to interact with you three. It's like meeting your heroes, right? I mean, I uh, mean never meet your heroes. That's, 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 so like, nice. that's, that's slightly less creepy than things Matt says, so like you're on the True. right side of the fence. And right? it's only going to, you guys are only going to meet my heroes until Charlie gets in another Twitter fight with me, so... <laughs> Wait, you, oh, oh my God, I have so many questions, but okay. Oh, not, yeah. Did show. Charlie not turn up derail. on you? Did Charlie, where were it's you not, guys It's not about my fault Twitter. that Marvel Studios doesn't care about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not I was going to put a oh, sign no. back there oh, saying oh, AOS is canon, but... Oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is canon. They didn't treat it right. It, they didn't, I mean, we've been on, we've had this fight on the show. I, I went on a whole rant about this and how I'm, it, it's going to bother me. Yes. Three <laughs> to the four, and then you got to breathe. It's going to bother me. If, if Agents of Shield is canon, canon, then Venom gets to be canon. All no, right. Stop. Like, yes. I, no. Brandon's <laughs> losing. I will make that somewhere. deal right now. You're just I will make that deal right now. <laughs> you're, just ma- you're just now saying Ooh, things. That's a fair trade. Dude. The whole turn in Winter Soldier doesn't work without Agents of Shield. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like the whole Hydra reveal, like that doesn't work without that show. And that was like the best. It doesn't work without Venom. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Well, as you can see, we might have made some mistakes with this this lineup of guests today, but uh, it's all good. We're here now. So. This today we have some other things that are talked about that are not Agents of Shield quite yet. There's going to be plenty of weeks where that's the only show on TV <laughs> that we have to talk about, so we can yell about every episode pretty soon. So just stay tuned for that. But today, what we're going to be talking about is the fact that the Assassin's Creed new game trailer has arrived. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and since Matt is like trying to make himself a game expert, we're going to let him talk about that <laughs> a little bit. It's always a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> This is the only kind Kofi gives. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's like when I say, Charlie, Charlie, come on. I really want you here. Things like that. Anyway, but like, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love backhand and compliments and lies are different things. Charlie is, I told you, you're our number one heel on this show. We love you. Um, People love you. It's not about me, it's about democracy. Uh, Clone Wars, we're going to talk about a little bit. Star Wars, about what's going on on the Star Wars front with Clone Wars, plus. You know, uh, the Star Wars May 4th. Everybody's been kind of wondering how that's going to go down this year. And now we have an answer. Plus, Matt is going to get excited about some Disney stuff happening with a few Marvel alumni kind of hopping in to maybe make one of his uh, much-beloved Disney live-action remakes happen yet again with, uh, with, a, with a hero that's going to also anger Marvel fans. So We're going to fight so much about this now. I know. That's going to be great. <laughs> Stay tuned for that, Grenade. And uh, in our deep dive today, we're going to be talking about a little debate about Iron Man's future in the MCU, or lack thereof. Plus, we're going to get into Netflix's new action flick, Extraction, since that is our movie theater now. Plus, Matt, I think, typed in some uh, stuff about comics in here that he's going to actually get mm-hmm. to today. And we got to hype up by the time you hear this, Mr. Adam Barnard will here will have hosted a quarantine watch party with yeah. the cast and crew of Daredevil 
We're getting into yes, uh, se- uh, season three, episode four, I believe was, was our mm-hmm. watch party mm-hmm. uh, subject, an excellent selection out of the third season. And uh, so we're going to have a little bit to say about Daredevil and kind of retroactively hype up our quarantine watch parties and get you hyped about Daredevil because he got a chance to talk to the cast. And uh, we'll get into some of that. Everybody. So, everybody. Let's start at the top. Matt, you finally, we got to see this Assassin's Creed game that we've been calling like Assassin's Creed 2020, like dopes for, for like a while now, but we finally got to see it. It is, all the rumors are true. It is a Viking set Assassin's Creed game. It's coming to the next gen consoles. That's about all I know, because that's as much research as I was willing to do for this show. But Matt, <laughs> take it away. What, what is it like we're getting with this Assassin's Creed game? Uh, yeah, so there is... A first of all, the new assassin is named. I want to say Evor is how you say it. I've heard Ivor as well, but Evor is what we're going with. Um, like Odyssey, it will be where you can play as a female or male, and they will have. We've actually seen uh, the female version uh, through a collector's edition, and you can check all this on the on the site. Comicbook.com has a full rundown of everything we saw. Uh, but both designs look really cool. Unfortunately, the trailer was just a cinematic trailer. It still looked awesome but it wasn't you know we didn't get to actually see some of the gameplay um and some of the rpg elements what they did talk about though uh the lead writer actually did an interview uh with a few sites and one of the big things was the settlement is going to be where a lot of this is built so the game starts out in norway and then makes its way to uh the uk um and they won't really divulge like why but essentially like you're driven out of your old home and you have to go uh, take on the authority over there and you're going to make your own settlement and kind of like Assassin's Creed three, which had uh, the uh, homestead where you kind of had people come and you could like shop there and craft there and you had story quests there. It was kind of your home base, but it was really, there wasn't a lot of substance to it. It was just kind of basic stuff in this game. They're making that like a huge portion of the game. Like you're going to be returning there throughout story stuff is going to feed through there. Uh, stuff there is going to generate new quests. You're going to have a love interest there. You're going to have uh, all the crafting and stuff that you're, you're normally accustomed to, but they're making it like a big thing. You're actually going to see it grow over time. Very much like uh, if anyone remembers the couldn't, uh, like the base building there, it's very much that vein. You're going to introduce new people and bring them in. So that whole thing, plus all the stuff in Odyssey, which was like a fully voice acted, awesome story that blended uh, Greek mythology. This one is going to do for Norse. They've already talked about like the trailer hints at Odin being uh, someone they worship and they see them him as real. So you're going to kind of have that in the game. Uh, there's not a ton about combat yet. Like we haven't uh, learned a bunch of like the new stuff that they're introducing. Odyssey's combat was really good. So hopefully they'll just kind of continue uh, going from there. Uh, it looks it looks awesome. The biggest thing, of course, is that it's coming pretty soon. It's coming holiday 2020. Uh, there's a rumored release date. Uh, I think it's November 15th or something along those lines. That's about the same time that Odyssey dropped, so odds are that's probably legit. Um, but we're probably going to get our first look at gameplay uh, in the upcoming Xbox is doing like their own little uh, Nintendo Direct thing where they're going to stream a bunch of games. They're going to show gameplay for this there uh so and i think that's like in a month or something so hopefully we'll get to see more soon but it looks awesome. xbox is doing the first i think may 7th i think it's next week is it may 7th okay yeah so i mean that i'm i'm stoked for that i mean the cinematics were gorgeous Uh, there was there is some interesting hints as to whether um the boss logic art that introduced this, which was surreal, by the way, was like what? It was like hours? seven or eight hours <laughs> long. When I when I got on my shift in the morning, I turned it on. Like one of the first things I did was just put it on in the background. Yeah, because it was great music to listen to while you were working. Awesome music. And we had our meeting. Uh, yeah, on Wednesday afternoon, which is when the meeting happens. I have one hour left in my shift. We got done the meeting, and it was still happening. <laughs> my, after my shift had ended, my full day of work, it he was still working. He's still so, working. He's at, it was look, at least eight hours, nine hours. Boss Logic, talented dude. Also, uh, should have like an Assassin's Creed like Bob Ross show because that music, killer. I was so soothing for like half the day I was listening to that in the background. Um, but what it revealed was a new Assassin's logo on the axe. So some people were kind of debating whether he was going to be an actual, like you play as a Templar or you would play as an Assassin because other games have played with that, like starting you out as a Templar and then you figure out you're an Assassin, things like that. Um, there's still some of that debate, but it seems like he's, or they actually are an assassin this time around. So 
it looks cool. I'm I'm stoked. Odyssey is one of my favorite games. Period. They did so much great work there. I'm really excited to see what they can do with this uh, setting and the character. All right. Anybody else? Anybody? I mean, I mean, I, Vikings are awesome. Right? I mean, Vikings are awesome. I this personally fell great. off of Assassin's Creed like. Or after two or three, because I was just like, this is too repetitive. I can't. Right. I can only perch on so many cliffs and do that <laughs> whole thing. And like, yeah. But um, I mean, it looks cool. Uh, it definitely does. I mean, I hope it's going to be pretty good, badass entry on next gen consoles. And it seems like this is a good indicator. We're definitely going to get these next gen consoles before the end of the year. It seems that way with them being both on PS5 and and Series X. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. seems like at least right now, with the way things are. I know PlayStation was having some like chip issues with not being able to like uh, purchase enough because they were in high demand because they were 5G related. So they were having a bunch of shortages. I don't know if that's still the case. I know at least Microsoft is aiming, unless something really drastic happens, Microsoft is aiming for a holiday this year. It will be very interesting to see, interesting to see like, depending on the economy, how many people are just willing to go. I know the PS5 is not as expensive as we thought at like only 400 compared to 600 of the PS3 at one point, but still that's $400 that with the way things are, it's going to take people a long time to kind of get out of holes, you know, with, with the way things have been for a few months and well, probably will be. Thing. It's like the staggering, it's like the staggering of the economy. It's like, if your job is going, yes, you're going to PS5 is far from your thoughts. Right. right? Now. Yeah. Right. But you still have a job, too, like, but like, the other side is if you still have a job, like we don't really spend money on much anymore. Like, yeah, it's right. Like, yeah. I got money stacking. I mean, not to, part of the, not the to brag and like, like, <laughs> like be sure for it. But like I, I was actually remarking the other day. I was like, you know, I don't spend now that I'm in the house. It's remarkable how much money I save on just like ridiculous things. I don't even didn't even know I was like spending right. this much money. Yeah, like I haven't paid like, for gas in Yeah, and it's like month. gas, just leisurely food stuff I eat, random things I just buy like yeah. and purchase and all that stuff and I was like, yeah, I mean, so by the time December comes and if we're still trying to be like, you know, we're in a place where, you know, winter flu season hits and we're going to be right back to where we are now, like it's an investment I might be thinking about, you know what I mean? True. Like, I didn't really think about it from that angle. That's that's very true because what else our whole do you have to do? Change. Like, yeah, yeah, you now just drop the 500 and now you're going to be inside for like the next six well, months. Well, part of the trouble is normally when these when these things launch, you know, we all know they're coming and we have stores like, you know, GameStop's the most prominent one, but where you can actually trade in and kind of, you know, okay, I can go in right now and say, I want to buy a PS5 and I can put down, you know, a little bit of money and then trade games in throughout the summer and kind of put some money towards it through the summer and then buy it once it comes out and not having to pay that much because I've already been paying it off. And I mean, I know you, I'm sure you can do that online with a Best Buy or a Walmart, but you can't do the trade in thing. And so it, it makes you it kind of like now they're working on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of it's like if it depends on when things open back up, I think that affects it too. You know, how people can, can get this. But yeah, but in any kind, I mean, either way, this looks like a great launch game. Um, Ubisoft's been been killing it. Origins was great as well. Uh, and also Odyssey. I will have an article uh, going up later, actually from a conversation from with Charlie, uh, that is like the best ones to start with. Uh, because right now you can play, I mean, there's so many games in the series. So definitely check for that. Yeah, I, on Matt's advice, I went and bought Origins. It was 15 bucks on the PlayStation Store yesterday. So as long as you put I two, went and, uh, wrote, went and bought right, that. As long as two is at the bottom where it belongs. Like, Whoa, uh, what? Oh Man, God. I took, okay, Stupid I will say real quick. Crap. I took oh a poll God. of fans. I was surprised at like how two just crushed. Two crush. <laughs> like it wasn't even close. It was like 46% to 26 of the next one. And that was like Black Flag, uh, which is also... Uh, really light and odyssey came in at like 15 crazy crazy right moving on from matt's gaming world to star (laughs) wars world uh clone wars is coming to an end right now and uh, we just got done with a big uh duel between phantom apprentice duel between uh darth maul and ahsoka tano which was a very satisfying kind of culmination of that whole storyline and really interesting in a way that i i hadn't thought about so we kind of teased it when we had Ashley Eckstein on the show. Um, now we're going to talk full spoilers about this. Uh, we talked a little bit about the first part of Phantom Apprentice, which was kind of this enriching backstory to Revenge of the Sith that shows you how Han- Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi came to this kind of crossroads right before the events of that film and their mission to save Palpatine from the fake abduction with General Grievous. They could have gone with Ahsoka to stop Maul on Mandalore, and then we had a big siege of Mandalore. 
with uh, Ahsoka and, and uh, Bo Katan and the Mandalorian kind of traditionalists going up against Darth Maul and his band of Mandalorians. But in this one, this was the main event. So we saw Ahsoka and Darth Maul kind of face off. And again, I think I like this Clone Wars season, even some of the slower parts people have complained about because the payoff that it builds up to is really rich. And this one was another one of those pivotal moments that the Star Wars animated series has done so well. This, uh, they've nailed duels probably better than anybody since the, the original trilogy. Um, sorry, prequels and sequels. Um, I don't know, Duel of the Fates is like... I, no. I, I agree with you, but just don't sleep on Duel, Duel of the Fates. Fates is saying. visually cool with people flipping around like ninjas, but like in terms of like... <laughs> A classic Star Wars duel was like one where there was this, oh, it was, this, this story was, and ca- was characterization that happens within the fight. And Clone Wars kind of does that better than if you want to see that. I mean, the best example is like the Darth Maul final Obi-Wan Kenobi fight, which is literally like a two strike fight. Like, and then it's over, but it's still like so epic and awesome. So Ahsoka versus Darth Maul was really cool because uh, I think until this Clone Wars, it, you really didn't necessarily think about how these two kind of are really connected in a weird way. Um, they're basically like the washout apprentices of, you know, the whole Darth Sidious plan with for Anakin Skywalker to become his apprentice. Uh, that you saw how that kind of washed out Darth Maul early on in the prequels. And, you know, eventually if you watch Clone Wars, you saw what happened to Ahsoka and her kind of fall off. And so Maul and her have this weird connection. So they have a great duel, but they also have this very great conversation where Maul kind of hints that he's had this vision um, that he knows that Sidious's plan is about to drop and that he knows the chaos that's about to kind of ensue in the galaxy. And he knows about the plan to turn Anakin Skywalker, um, which sets up that Ahsoka kind of knows this during those pivotal events where Anakin is kind of losing his mind during uh, Revenge of the Sith. And the reason I thought it was cool to talk about just beyond the awesomeness of the duel in the episode itself was that, we got kind of, there's been rumors floating that Clone Wars somewhere in this last two episodes could feature a cameo from Darth Vader or Anakin as Darth Vader, which I thought was really interesting because we've seen Darth Vader in Rebels in animated form. We've heard him kind of hinted at in his voice in, early, in a Clone Wars vision that Anakin has. But I thought when I was writing about it that this would be kind of cool and almost necessary to end the show because now with everything you set up, you kind of have to have the moment where Ahsoka sees him as Vader for the first time, even if he doesn't see her or notice her and the kind of the impact of that, because I went and rewatched uh, rebels. The, what is that? Twilight apprentice. I think it's called um, those episodes anyway, where she faces Vader. And if you go back and watch the dialogue, it's very kind of key because Dave Filoni and, you know, kind of hints that she's known and seen him before, even if they're meeting to, you know, mutually meeting for the first time in that scene. So I thought that'd be a really kind of powerful way to kind of give fans a send off for Clone Wars is to see Ahsoka have to kind of take the trauma of seeing Anakin like this. Um, but of course, still becoming the hope and, and to honor his memory by being his apprentice and what she's going to do. And that would be uh, pretty awesome. So I thought I'd see how you guys thought about that. Do you think we're going to see that moment? Do you think they're going to put Vader? Do you think that's going to be our out for Clone Wars? And uh, how do you feel about that? I Charlie? mean, they could do it. They could do it, but I mean, that don't, they don't need to. Like, it would be it would be cool. It'd be cool to see his evolution, to see Ahsoka react to that. But like, it was almost frustrating watching that duel between Ahsoka and Darth Maul because that pairing could have held an entire trilogy on their own. Like, when you think about the backstory, and really in this episode where you explore their similarities and how they connect to one another, and how no one understands Ahsoka's struggle quite like Darth Maul does, and she has an appreciation for what he's gone through. Like, especially seeing after how all the Ray and Palpatine stuff went and how the Kylo Ray things kind of, and like the prequel, you could do a whole trilogy about these two characters and it would be so satisfying and so fulfilling because there's so much story baked into both of them. And it really like more than any other star Wars thing has done in a long time. This episode really kind of culminated in something that, you know, you felt like you got what you'd hoped for. Um, in their, you know, in their interaction. Um, and so all that to say, I think that Darth Vader being there would, would be cool, but only if it really is, if it pushes Ahsoka's story. I think just to put Darth Vader in there for just for looks, it's like, that's fine. But if, it can, if he can have an impact on Ahsoka going forward and how she, you know, 
reacts to this whole thing and how she gets from Clone Wars to Rebels, like, I think that could be very interesting. I'm talking to nobody. Adam, are you a Star Wars fan? I don't think we've ever discussed. I am. I am. Yeah, I love Star Wars. Uh, I mean, the the Darth Vader bit, I, it would make sense. Um, you know, especially at this point, it's almost, yeah, it's the definitive end of an era, right? I guess the question would be if we wanted to get, is it is it fan service over or plot or substance, I guess. I'm interested, Charlie, would you rather see, you know, Ahsoka and, and Darth Vader? Or would you rather see the, the Darth Maul trilogy or, or spinoff you teased or talked about over the, the Vader interaction? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that Star Wars has shown recently, especially with the rise of Skywalker, in mm-hmm. my opinion, that when it tries so hard to connect to the past, you know, in a, in a way that's just like, we want to connect to this, let's figure it out. It doesn't ever come across super well. But I think when it's, if they connect and it's really, really natural, or when they're just exploring these characters that we have not explored before, it really shines. And that's what we get with Ahsoka, you know, and that's what Clone Wars and Rebels did so well with Darth Maul is like, we knew Darth Maul, but this actually had a reason to, to dive into his backstory and had a, a payoff and a purpose. And so, like I said, I'm all for seeing Ahsoka and Darth Vader if it can right. hear Ahsoka's story because she's become such a compelling character. I mean, I know there's some folks online who think that Ahsoka is kind of a just a throwaway character, and I just that could not be the furthest thing from. Yeah, it's a hard thing to argue. Show. It is if you've actually <laughs> watched all the story there, how could you argue she's a throwaway? There's so character. much development in, in her really character say that? from season one. Oh, there. Dude, did you, not see, did you not see that guy who I'm not going to name in the industry who did the whole rant about Ahsoka? And he was like wrong about every fact about her. No, I didn't. Was just, like, was a, was it like was a whole thing. Yeah, it, it was it that guy. Sucks. I'll tell you. I'll tell you offline about who that was. <laughs> right. Because uh, like I'm, I'm not, not gonna hype it. I'm not hyping him up. But yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like, I'm not the biggest Clone Wars or Rebels person, but like that character. Like I would never dismiss that character as. And, like, and oh, when you when you yeah, watch it, it when you see where she was, I mean, when you watch season one, it's like she seems like hey, you're just you wanted to put a sidekick there, whatever. But as you watch her develop and and grow and like she really becomes the star of the show and not in a way of like they're forcing her to be the star like you just constantly want to see more of Ahsoka's story you know at the beginning of this final season I loved oh, what were they called the 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 clones that were um the, the outcasts or whatever yeah the bad batch I really enjoyed them but for those first four episodes I, I kept telling myself like I, I want to see more Ahsoka. Like, where's Ahsoka? Absolutely. We haven't seen her yet. Like, where's Ahsoka? And it's because Dave Filoni and, and that team did such a great job. And and I mean, Ashley Eckstein did incredible job, you know, with her voice and bringing her life. And, you know, now it's like the idea of her being in live action in The Mandalorian is one of the things about Star Wars I'm most excited about because Ahsoka's become such a great character in the canon. All right. So check out Clone Wars because that's coming. Uh, there's a lot of ways Darth Vader could be. I mean, it doesn't even have to be related to Ahsoka. It could be some clones that he butchers that he used to be friends with. Darth Maul could end up being in front of him. You see him murdering time. some kids again. Yeah, man. The good stuff. The good <laughs> oh, stuff. Geez. Happy days. All right. So moving right along. This year, uh, Star Wars is going to be doing May the 4th celebration by doing a virtual convention. So here we go. We've been oh, speculating yeah. about how this was going to go down and that it was going to start to happen across the board. And uh, this is one of the first big ones. So we're having a virtual convention. Yeah. There you it's go. It's the future. It's yeah. the future. So well, we definitely didn't talk about this last week. Yeah. What's up? Conventions and, oh, yeah, and no, new ideas. And- yeah. We, when we argued, <laughs> yeah. Check out our last episode where we argued about a Marvel con- about Marvel con and that whole thing. I think but, that uh, was the most, can I, is it safe to say that was the most heated since Joker? I think that was easily the most heated. Yeah. It was one of our more heated episodes since Joker. Yeah, yeah for sure. People loved it, but, uh, yeah, so and, and Joker was the last time Brandon and I were on the podcast together. I know I have to pull those out very selectively. <laughs> they can, it's a very fine mix that like <sighs> it, it burns well when you light it up, but it's very burns, it, can burns. it can explode very easily. Um, yeah. So Star Wars May the Fourth celebration is going to be hosted over virtual convention over social media platforms, a number of different ones, and they're going to be set like a real convention, like different areas, blah blah blah. So just different platforms. And they're going to be ha- uh, franchise hosting Q&As, live tweet screenings of films, quizzes, trivia, contests. You, they're, they're, they're thinking about I mean, they're coming up with good ideas. It's, it's ways for everybody to participate. There will be platforms probably like Instagram Live where you'll see cast and exclusive inter- new interviews about stuff and things like that. And who knows what other kind of uh, 
surprises that could come out of that whole thing. Uh, don't expect no new movie stuff, but uh, you know, like there's other stuff that could, could definitely happen. So that'll be kind of cool to see. And uh, man, I'm kind of happy about that because I mean, as we know from the ground, obviously quarantine watch party being a thing that, you know, thanks to Brandon, we've all kind of now been thrown into and I made that sound bad, but it's not, it's actually really just good. It's all positive. Yeah. There's no back end to that. Um, and so, like, yeah, these are actually surprisingly fun. Uh, uh, that one thing that's come out of this whole lockdown thing is, yeah, virtual kind of interactions, conventions, and mass gatherings of people. It, it's a lot of fun, and it's not even a flash mob. So, like, you know, I didn't think you could have that fun with, like, you know, virtual virtual gatherings, but here we are. So that'll be cool. So check out May the 4th. Yeah. If you want to participate, you don't have to leave your home this year. Just uh, get online, pick your favorite social media platforms, or just try to stroll through the convention all day long enjoy so now let's see dis uh, uh, charlie and matt here we go so disney is making is possibly tapping john favreau and the russo brothers john favreau who made the uh, first iron man films the russo brothers who made the best captain america in slash avengers films are kind of being tapped by disney to make a live action hercules and i joked at the top of the show and this is the live action remake of the hercules animated movie from and the not 90s. Kevin Sorbo's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not Kevin Aren't Sorbo's. It? And not, not uh, Marvel. Rocks. Or, yeah, not Hercules the Marks, or not uh, the who's Rocks, the other Hercules, one? And not the guy from Marvel. Twilight. Oh, Kellen Lutz. Oh, God, Kellen Lutz. I always forget yeah. about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I had to review that movie. Oh, <laughs> that was a big January push. Oh, oh I, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, man. Who, I don't even know who I was working for back when I had to review that movie. One was. It must have, yeah, it was, it was what, 2013? I don't know. It was a dark time. It, it was 2013 because it came out within like a year, year and a half of the Rock movie. Which yeah, also they, no, they, yeah, that was like, yeah, <laughs> that uh, Hercules begins or whatever, like Hercules, Oof, like that man. rise of hero, like that was actually, I think, better than the Rock one. Night. Yeah, the, the, Rocks, the Rocks had the Rocks had more money, and the Rock was a better casting for the character. But Brett Ratner directed the movie, and he's not only a horrible person, he is a really bad director. Right. So oh, it makes man. sense that that movie sucks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. I forgot that all happened. Like, oh man, Charlie, you're taking me back. Yeah, that to was a big time. that was a big thing for the a minute. Hercules, the, le- was Hercules, the, the legend begins, <laughs> and that was yeah. that was either I think it was the same year or right the year like before or after that. Uh, White House Down and um, Olympus Has Fallen came out at the same time too. So it's like oh my we had a bunch same of these exact movie right in a row where it's like here's the same movie twice. <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot. Okay, so the Legend of Hercules was the Kellen Lutz one. I remember this. Now it was 2014 to begin. Uh, that was such a good year too. It began so bad, but it was a th- it was 3D and by and by Rennie Harlan, the guy who did like Die Hard 2, I believe. Yeah, Die Hard 2 guy. So you had this weird kind of PG-13 Hercules origin movie with these crazy dark moments that look like they could have been in Die Hard 2, filmed in the guy who made Die Hard 2 trying to use a 3D camera which was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Who's like, yeah, for the chariot, let's just get down to the fucking wheel and like, yeah, the wheel's 3D, look at that. Like, and it's just like, oh my God, stop showing me this spinning wheel. Like, like the movie was so bad. But like, that was the same year as the Rocks Hercules. Yeah, like, so Hercules hasn't had it easy, man. Like, it's just- (laughs) The freaking wheel. When well, that adds to why this whole oh, yeah. Disney making okay. Hercules is kind of frustrating because I think a lot of us are sick of the whole like live action remake thing. I'm not sick of that. It, Lion King was so bad. <laughs> but you, but you, just, I'm just Lion saying, King was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I am not saying that. Uh, is that true? No, yeah, not the worst thing. Lion King was bad. No, but it was bad. And oh no, then, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kelly Lutz is, was the famous. Yeah, that was the one that bombed. On the top made of 244 million on a hundred. Kellen Lutz's Hercules, the budget for that was $70 million, and it made $60 million worldwide. That's because two weeks after it came out, I Frankenstein hit theaters and knocked it away. Dude, oh, man. Uh, I, was, I love God, I Frankenstein. You're reminding so me on like, one of my worst I worked at a movie runs. theater at the time, so it was like that's when I worked at a movie theater. That's, I remember everything that came out from like, I was just getting into, 2013, like, into junkets, so I had to do all these junkets and talk to all these people as if... Like, and pretend that you liked it. I yes, can't say anything. I so, like Frankenstein. <laughs> but I love I Frankenstein. It's I one of my guilty pleasure movies. Yeah. I, was, I, I was like talking to Stuart Beatty about a whole I have Frankenstein universe. I thought it was cool. It was sweet, like... We plotted it all out. I was all in that franchise. Too yeah. bad it went under. So it was great. Anyway, but anyway, uh, anyway Charlie's negative. The live action movies 
that from Disney that are already kind of getting a little old, but also the Ooh. recent within the last six years, multiple Hercules live action movies that have come out. Okay. To be and fair, it's like combining for this thing. To be fair, uh, you had to remind half of us that one of those existed. So I don't think that stigma is really going to stick. I think it, I think oh, Hercules, movies, but didn't we do that? No one remembers. Have you been on Twitter yeah. today? Have you been on Twitter today? Uh, okay, Twitter is a small microverse of the real world. I'm just saying. I understand. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not the not only one. Everything. Because if no, I listen I mean, to Twitter, I would be like, if I listen to Twitter for everything, like that. Yeah, I, I'm surprised I this is Charlie's hangup. Like my big thing was like, I think Marvel fans are going to be pissed that it's not their Hercules. They hear those names and they hear Disney's making Hercules with the Russos and Favreau. And they're like, finally, it's happening. Like, and it's not. Oh, happening. It's, yeah, that's yeah, not my hangup. It's just like, this is a, I feel like it's not a great time, but oh, why not? Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I have on record. Lion King's not my favorite live action version well, that they've done. Well, it's not live action at all. It's, well, it's, I'm saying, but right, it's not right, my right. live action remake, yeah. semantics or not. I, it is not my favorite of their productions. Like, it's fine. I, there's parts of it I really like, but, you know, it, it's the one that pales, it especially pales in comparison to Favreau's Jungle Book, which is far superior. And, it's much better. I still didn't love it, but it's a lot better than oh, see, I than really like Jungle Book. So I, my thing is, Hercules is perfect Please. for a live i almost did that at the beginning but i, I, didn't I want agree to so, what that's, we were the talking about. that's the thing is i agree with you that if you're just looking at the disney animated movies and you're like pick out that's which great. ones you think would be best for a live action adaptation yeah, the first thing i would say is mulan and the second thing i would say is hercules those, yeah, you know, those are the, hercules first, is the first two that'll come to mind hercules and has the animated well let's characteristic just, characters here's what i think do. charlie might have been right like traditionally but might be wrong in this case is only because it's it's kind of why you cite it's the animated version of Hercules is a very different flavor of the Hercules story than just about anybody else. It's much more comedic and kind of like winking about right. Hercules but what are they going to do that with it in live action? Are they going to take think the they Mulan? Are, route? I mean, if, if they have to, if they try to go straight up like action adventure, this thing is dead in the water. Like, I mean, they're going to make it like a, if if the Russos are producing and if really they get fabric, they want to make it the tone of a Marvel movie. And I no, say that's, that's not goal. true. Favreau, I, Jungle Book is very I'm, I'm much like the original I'm not saying it's because Favreau, but I'm saying when you look at the pieces lining up, if it is Favreau but and if the Russo are producing and it, it's this property that is action-packed but can also be fun, they're going to try and make it the same tone as what we've seen in the MCU. They're going to try to make it an action-packed true. but also fun movie. I don't think that's... I mean, look, I'm not the... Uh, I, I really like the Russo brothers and like what they've done, but I'm also like, but I'm ne not necessarily like the number one fan, but what I will say is I'm not going to pigeonhole them. If, if they're signing on to a Hercules movie, I'm pretty sure. Disney... Yeah, these are guys who did come up making like Arrested Development. Right. I'm, I'm not they saying they're getting I'm into. Not, I know they are. I know they are. I'm saying when you look at, if they're trying to pair the Russo brothers who are the big Marvel people with another Marvel director. Yeah. I, I think that, who left a Marvel franchise that they could still be with if they wanted to make more Marvel movies. I we'll imagine they later. leave but to make something I'm else. simply saying I can see them trying to make the tone of Marvel. It's going to be an action comedy. Like That's what they're going to yeah, go I for. Mean, like, I don't think we're the all movie. They're not going to be serious or funny. It's be but in I the think middle. there's a lot of room just saying action comedy is one thing, but like I think there's a lot of room there because there's a lot of room, especially now on a day where like I'm writing articles about GQ doing about Chris Hemsworth being the icon of the post hunk era in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's actual room for this to be kind of a winking kind of send up of the traditional kind of machismo hero story and really do something funny with that. I mean, um, Hades alone. Yeah. Oh, I think they should drag James Woods crazy ass back out. Here's the thing. And throw if, him back in, throw in, just... If man, I didn't don't tell him it's a movie. Just, just, like, get a camera out and just start filming. Ask him about uh, I know. modern things and just let him start I talking. Know. That, that crazy just old throw man. throw some CGI <laughs> on it and make just him look like Just have reread his tweets. Yeah, just I like mean, for make real. him look like a crazy underworld ghoul. ghoul it'd be perfect. Like, Play just, yourself on Twitter. On yeah, no, don't tell him it's a movie. <laughs> just sit him down and put the dots on his face, sit him down yeah. in a chair and just be like, start talking and then I, take all I the think, facial stuff. Yeah, I think that movie suits so well to like this day and age and what Disney has shown to do with their live action stuff that again is embraces more of the heart and personality of their movies. There there very much is a divide between like, I feel like Mulan is going to also fit into that Lion King category of they're taking some of the fun out and it's going to be a it's going to be Mulan's kind of bland. people are people 
and I'm not saying talking animals still, it doesn't matter. Weird. They're still based on animated movies that have a very but, no, specific but, but, tone but then, and but it's art. Also, okay, you but Mulan is out. an animated movie. Yes, you can because no, Mulan was not an animated movie. Did not Mulan leave that was a, out. A, Aladdin a did not story. leave that out. No, they didn't. Those movies embraced tone. And you, okay, still Mulan, Mulan before it was a Disney animated film. Yes. Was, was an actual story from, but they're from not Japan, making a story based on that. They're making a story that's what, on but that's interpretation. No, then you shouldn't. Yes, but that is what people go into a Disney. Uh, okay, but I'm just telling you what they did with Hercules Greek. I'm just telling you what they did with Mulan. Yes, that's all I'm I saying. Understand that these are based on real things, but we are not talking about them reinterpreting an old story from history or from story tales because they're that's, interpreting that is what their they are doing tones. Okay, so, but no. that's but that's not what they're doing with Mulan. If they were if they were interpreting their you own know tones that's with Mulan with Hercules, no, but that's not what I'm talking and about. And Mulan looks like a dud because of that. It doesn't have don't any think of the so. heart and charm. Mulan uh, looks like the okay. the first no, Di- Matt, live action yes. Disney movie that I'm actually gonna enjoy. No, I have not liked a single you. one since they've started I'm doing not, this. I don't think I think you're one man against three right now. <laughs> if I have to be honest, like I'm with Matt. I think it looks like a dud because they took out the dragons. They took out the mysticism. It just looks like a very serious kind of crying game military movie and it's just like you know it looks intense it's an intense story the the, the, the uh, backstory of mulan is great is and real i would and like intense. to see someone else it, other than disney tackle like and if it was like uh ridley scott's mulan i'd be Thank, like yes yeah i'd be in but like this is disney's mulan you know what i mean well i mean like, we'll see i'm just saying like, like i think the, the trailers were, were pretty good and i think that i like the direction that they went because they said if we if we try to do the animated movie it's not going to work so let's do something different and I think Aladdin did that same thing, but in a different way. They said, let's try to make something different than the, than the animated movie. And still, and I Aladdin, think Aladdin embraced tones. Aladdin was the only one that I've remotely had fun with. Beauty and, and the Beast was fun to me because it embraced the spirit of that movie very I much so. Think, Christopher listen, Robin embraced the Winnie the I, Pooh segment. Yeah, like, there's Christopher, a Robin, it, Christopher Robin was, was, were the characters. It wasn't getting, an adaptation of the movie. Into a Again, Disney, mm. Disney thing, but here. We're going to move on, but I'm just going to say I want Hercules to go full funny on the Greek stuff, full funny on the machismo stuff and God stuff and just... And I want Michael Bolton back for Go the Distance. Jeez. Drag James Woods and drag Michael Bolton back. I want all of that for that. And there better be a Pegasus. That's all I'm saying. So I'm, all yes. Right. All right, so let's move on because we could be arguing this forever <laughs> with you two. Uh, when we get back, we're going to deep dive into a oh god, another question that could possibly tear us apart about the MCU. We're going to review the new uh, Chris Hemsworth movie, Extraction, and talk about some comic stuff. So stay tuned for all of that. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. All right, so let's just get into this. Our question today. So we did this Avengers Endgame watch party, and it brought up all kinds of new insights about the film from the writers, Marcus and McFeely, from the directors, the Russo brothers. And, of course, the big way that movie ends is with Tony Stark sacrificing himself and kind of coming full circle um, from, uh, you know, guy who makes weapons to kill people to saving everybody. You, and jumping on the grenade, proverbial grenade, that uh, Cap accused him of never being able to jump on in the first Avengers. And that was his ending, and it was this kind of full-circle thing. But the Russos were addressed. They were on a different podcast and kind of talking about, you know, the future of Iron Man. And there is this looming question with every Marvel fan. Will Iron Man ever be brought back to the MCU, either like through some Tony Stark resurrection or alternate version or a new Iron Man or like whatever, what have you, or all the ways the comics have made that possible? And uh, the Russos basically said, 
they gave the Marvel answer, right? Which is like, (laughs) it's like, well, it all. Nothing is ever sacred. Nothing can die. Nothing is certain. Nothing is certain or set in stone. So it all like, it it would have to be kind of done. All it's going to take is one more Doolittle. Oh, stop it. That's all it's going to take. Stop it. So like, yeah, I mean, it depends on how he was brought back. It turns about the story and that it would have to be something earned. You can't just like have him pop up and come back because you, you want it. You'd have to kind of really do it. And like we said, there are a lot of ways to do this that the comics have made possible, right? The comics have made it possible from anything from an alternate universe, Tony Stark, who would be, you know, conceivably able to figure out his way over into this one um, to him being recreated as an, as one of his own AI systems which again is a way Tony Stark has survived in the comics and Endgame even sets the stage for that because he kind of knew this time travel thing could go haywire and made some provisions before he died, obviously in the whole eulogy kind or the whole like last will and testament he leaves. So these are all possible things. I want to go around the room, see real quick with everybody. Do you think Iron Man should be brought or there is a way to bring back Iron Man to the MCU at, at for even a brief moment of a storyline or event or something like that. If so, what, how would you do it? Let's start. We'll start with Adam since he's uh, before we start. Time. I just want to say on record that I think Matt and I are going to agree about one major point that I feel like we will both make. Yeah, we'll, we'll see That's when all. we get there. I, I, we'll we get there, I, I want to say that general <laughs> statement before we get there. <laughs> all right. That's all. Adam, Adam no. go for it. Not be created in any shape way or form keep him dead so that's the thing with marvel we we have phase four coming up sometime right it's it's the most bonkers thing we've ever seen playing we have shang chi we have an absolutely bonkers doctor strange too we have the eternals um all sorts of stuff on disney plus let's 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 keep iron man dead and just keep him dead you know why do we need him back i really don't think we need him back Stan Twitter's probably not going to like me, you know, but just keep him, de- <laughs> keep him dead. And uh, I don't know. We've had 10 years of the guy, right? I mean, do we need him bad? That's why I love Chris Evans and I love Cap. Maybe like an old man Cap in the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers and just put put Cap in the home or something, you know, just, oh. just, oh. just let's, let's move on and – and explore all these new characters. You know, I mean, RDJ is Tony Stark. And if, I mean, just imagine them recasting him. It's, it's going to be crazy, you know, just, just keep him dead. All right, Charlie, time to turn up. Okay. I agree with Adam. Keep him. Like, if the conversation is about Tony Stark, I do not want to see him again. It's one thing if you're in the past and there's like a little flashback scene. He makes a little cameo in a flashback from when he was still alive, you know, say in Black Widow or in Eternals, one of those movies that takes place in the past. And it's like, oh, Tony Stark, like a little, a little moment. That, that's fine. That's cool. I get people want to see Robert Downey Jr. Whatever. That's all well and good. But if you're going to like in canon, in the future of the show, or the end of the movie, like of the series, of the franchise, whatever, if you're going to resurrect him, that just, that I think downplays his entire arc in Infinity War and Endgame. And it takes away, I mean, I don't, I think Tony Stark was already kind of a, a weird walk the line character for me. Cause like a lot of his actions to me were not heroic for a long time. And I think he ended on that like final redemption where like, okay, cool. I'm finally doing the thing I've always wanted to do and protecting everyone and, and fixing it done to bring him back only is going to make him worse. Like they need to leave well enough alone. And part of the, the issue with the MCU going forward is that I feel like it's going to get repetitive if they, keep trying to do stuff like that. You know, we've had 10 years of these characters and I'm really excited. I mean, there's some with stories left to tell. Sure. Like I'm excited for this Thor movie, which I'm sure will be the last time we see Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I'm excited for some of the characters like, uh, like Ant-Man or Captain Marvel or Black Panther, who we've only had glimpses of, or, you know, small portions of so far, you know, but they're putting to rest cap. They're putting to rest Iron Man. They're putting to rest black widow, like because their stories are done. And if we keep trying to hinge on that for another 10 years, it's going to, the franchise is going to feel really stale. And that what they're doing in phase four is exciting. Like Adam said, because they're doing weird stuff. They're bringing in new characters. They're taking things. I mean, Dr. Strange two is going to be a completely different movie from Dr. Strange one. And they're, they're trying new things. And that's, what's going to keep this franchise alive for as long as they want to keep it alive, but they have to be willing to let go of the past and not pull a star Wars. And the third thing that I'm going to say before I pass it to Matt, and this is where I think that we're the same on this. I think you can bring in 
a version of the character, but Tony Stark cannot be it. Tony Stark is done. If you want to bring Riri Williams into the MCU, by all means, bring Riri into the MCU. That would be awesome. You know, if you want to do something with the kid from Iron Man 3, like in the future and have him as a little side character, not a whole movie, but if you want to have him in a movie sometime, do that. You Fine. do it I don't so care. well. I don't care. I'm just saying leave Tony Stark dead. Riri is obviously the best option. I don't want to see the Tyler kid. Is it Tyler? I don't know. I don't want him to yeah. be Iron Man, but if he's going to pop up and like talk about some stuff, cool. But if you're going to like re reinvent an iron character, it needs to be Riri. You know, there's room with Morgan Stark, I guess. Like it, it doesn't matter. The point is Tony Stark's dead and he needs to stay that way. Matt. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm on the same page with Charlie when it comes to that. In fact, I slipped in a little origin story into that story. <laughs> how to bring Riri uh, into the MCU. And still, I, I agree with Adam. I think he needs to stay dead. Uh, this is something the comics, you know, just the way comics are built, so silical. Characters don't die for very long. Or if they do, they're dead for like two years and then they come back. It's typically, it's way too short. If you're going to bring him back as an AI, I'm actually fine with it. But make the impact count. I don't think bringing him back in 10 more years diminishes anything about Endgame and Infinity War. They're not like precious gems. Like, they'll be fine, okay? Like, it's not... Stones. It's whatever. Stones. It's fine. So, I think, though, it needs to be long enough to justify it. So, I think in Phase 6, or what, however long these things space out, another 10 years, you, you are giving us a lot of credit. Human I, oh, I am. <laughs> I am, absolutely. Because I think, honestly, that's the time passage it needs to be to make that worth doing otherwise so you want an almost 70 year old tony stark no i want an in the charge no i want someone to in the comics it's easy okay bro find, liam neeson bro. His, he put his intelligence into an ai someone finds it if, he, if you want to put later. rdj's voice as like the new friday I'm, or whatever they made cool. a younger version of him in a movie they've they've done this numerous times like it's not a big deal for them to make a younger version of him he's going to be in certain scenes it would make sense with Riri because that's how it's in the books. She's mentored by an AI of him. He helps her grow as a hero. He helps her use some of the old tech. She's so a you'll, so you'll do it. like you'll have Fine. two Spider-Man characters basically. And what's wrong with that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I love like, Miles Morales. I, I, like, I want Riri Williams to have a different. Uh, have a different. Not that there's more Spider-Man. I want her to have a different origin story than she's Peter tied Parker does to, in the MCU. I, want, I just recently saw Iron this Man. I get movie. that, but they've already used that. On Spider-Man, they wasted okay, it right, where it didn't up. need turn to down, be. Turn down. Turn the comics down, universe is built on legacy. Like, okay, but we're not talking about comics universe. Okay, it, it doesn't translate to feature films. It. Uh, yes, chill a lot out. of it chill does. Chill a lot out. of it right. does. So that's Matt's take. All films right. are not press. I mean, give me a break. Okay, I'm saying it's a different medium. It requires different things. Understand? I'm going to end this with my take. I believe you're all wrong. I think I've said this before, and I think you guys should read comicbook.com. There's some excellent things we've written about Phase 4 and the storyline and the villain specifically. Um, and when you get into like where Phase 4 is headed and what it could set up for the larger MCU, which is something like uh, an amalgamation of Secret War storylines and stuff like that, somewhere along the line, because with everything that's kind of fractured in Endgame, eventually this has all got to get kind of fixed in some kind of way. And, you know, there's all this stuff about Kang possibly coming in and multiple the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. I said it before on this show, I'll say, and I've said it in articles, I'll say it again. One of my favorite storylines is uh, Avengers Forever, which basically kind of hinges on a, a group of Avengers fighting for the timeline. Uh, and they're made up of Avengers who are pulled from different points in history. So something like that is an event that you could do that literally could bring back somebody like Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, but still bring it new because these were different versions like they pulled Cap out right before he was, you know, he, the secret society had broken him and finding out America was all screwed up and he was all depressed and like not a reliable leader. That was like a very different Cap than the one we know. And like, so yeah, you could find points like what if you had to bring in Tony Stark from before he ended up in that cave in, you know, in the desert and tried to work and had to try to work with him like that would be an interesting event movie, like worth yeah. it. Wow. To see like, you know, it's interesting to see like old man cap trying to work with like pre iron man, Tony Stark and convince him like, and try I mean, to it's have like, what if the movie? Yeah, exactly. I mean, cool. yeah. yeah. And so there, there's definitely concepts where this could happen, 
But like the Russo said, just you can't. It's something you can't lame out. It's a card you have to pull out, like at the right moment. Like you know, you took, you saw how long it took for that on your left thing in Endgame to to have the power and impact that it does. It took every single film, every single moment, like all of that stuff to kind of get the power of that. And so if you're going to bring back RDJ as like actually Iron Man, I agree. It would have to be a moment that's like epic in an event film that. Like, but if it does that, does that take away from the, the power and the, the, the heroism and like the, the attention from all of this next wave of heroes? Like if, okay, we got our next big event film and the big climactic moment, this big epic thing, it's like, Oh, and then Iron Man's back. It's like, so take away from everything that, all these other characters have no, been doing I mean, the last the, decade. No, Why can't you have both? Yeah, this, this doesn't negate because, anything. Because then every, all anyone talks about is what is Iron Man coming back. No, I mean, no one talks about, oh, Captain Marvel got us here. Oh, Black Panther's leading dude, the charge. Oh, it, wait, guys, Iron Man. Dude, Avengers, like, Avengers Forever isn't a permanent thing. It, it, it's, he comes back at a moment to fight a battle yeah, they need, and I, then it's back to I the get time that, and That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's yeah. like, oh, they got here. And there's a big battle. What are we going to do, guys? Well, I feel like what you're about just the flying like, billionaire. Well, I think you're like just talking about the nature of the Marvel universe in general, where all these things are always possible. There is no, like Matt said, there isn't a permanence to that, things. That's in not at all what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about possibility. I'm talking about from a story perspective, from a character perspective. If you have, if you spend the next Phase Four, Phase Five, whatever, building a new team of Avengers or whatever they're called, focusing on these heroes. And at their big event film, at their big moment, the whole thing that's gonna that's gonna everyone's gonna talk about is oh, it doesn't matter about them because Iron Man came back, and all the attention is now on the return of Iron Man, and the big the big hero is gonna be Iron Man, I and that's think, stupid. Yeah, it doesn't no. it doesn't sound right at all. I feel like if there's an Avengers, I say okay, let's just say Phase Four goes on. There's a new Avengers, the whole diverse thing they build. You know, there's a team that's like Bucky and. Sam and Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel and, you know, new Hawkeye, Miles Murray, all that stuff. Like a completely different looking Avengers. And we get to an Avengers Forever movie like 12 years from now. We're, we're in an Avengers Forever movie or something like that. And then there's a sequence in a scene where these new Avengers fighting or they need extra help or something like that. And then somebody uses the time majigger to pull a bunch of Avengers from. But why would they bring the guy who doesn't do anything? Why would you bring back Iron Man? Because he was like Cap and Iron Man were members of the original Avengers. Exactly. (laughs) For money. That's exactly right. There's no logical reason for him to be there. Yes, there is. Ever. He's the the hero who saved the world. Like from Thanos. He's the one they think of as the godfather and greatest of like one of the greatest superheroes ever. So if you needed guidance from like other Avengers, like that's the guy you would bring back. First of all, let's just think about the logistics. There will be, if that's 12 years from now, right? Okay. So we're talking 2032. Okay. Which I'm going to look up Robert Downey Jr.'s age when that is just while, okay, you, while you talk. But the point is like, you're assuming like, like, like Matt said, we've, we, the MCU, none of that matters. Michael Douglas had a whole scene in the 50s. Thank you. In Endgame. None of that matters anymore, man. <laughs> You're talking about putting him in a battle. Anthony Hopkins has literally played like how many two, characters that are happening? He hasn't. Freaking hologram Tupac what? can become our interior secretary tomorrow. That's 2020. Matter. We can have hologram Tupac for interior secretary <laughs> of our government tomorrow. That's a real thing that could happen in 2020. The years where aliens were confirmed. I'm just saying the idea you brought was putting him in battle as the hero. That's what I'm fighting against. Yeah, he's a a dude in a suit of armor, and we could use CGI to make him look younger. That's not my point. My point is by 2032, like the amount of people who are going to be like, oh my God, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is back, and that being like this big distracting headline, it's going to be more of a group of kids who are like Star-Lord who are like, wait, who? Like, oh, that's the guy from the old movies. I remember that. Like, you know. And my like, kid is going to ask me who that is. Yeah, exactly. Which it, is the whole point, right? It's yeah. the whole point. What I will say is that also part of this, we're assuming a lot, obviously, in this discussion. Yes. Okay. But what I will say is part of that is also on the directors, the writers, Kevin Feige, all these people developing these new characters. It's on them to make everyone care about them nearly as much as they cared about the originals. They're off to a really good start on the next group. It's on them to make you care so that when Iron Man or Cap or whoever from the past shows up, yes, it's a great, oh my God, that's a great fan servicey moment. 
but it doesn't take away any shine or any of the substantive stuff that they've built in the other movies with these new people. It's on them. We're assuming a lot. Yes, it could blow up in their face, I guess, but and I, don't I know. guess that's what I don't I'm think expecting. it will. I don't think it will. I, I don't see anything from them that has shown me that they would let that happen. But and you hey. know, dude, when RDJ decides to step back on screen, it's, in, it's a writer in his contract that it has to be one of the most world epic moments. Again, that's so. why I mentioned at the very beginning, all it takes is another doolittle. He'll do whatever he needs to. Yeah, man. That's the way, and that's the way it is. So let us know how you guys feel about this. Do you want to see <laughs> Iron Man return to the MCU? Jeez. Get us up at the hashtag comic book nation. We got to keep it moving because we got to close out the show and we still got stuff to do. So we're moving on to uh, another Marvel actor talking about trying to do stuff outside the MCU. Chris Hemsworth just put out this new Marvel action movie uh, called Extraction, in which he plays a very kind of depressed and melancholy bad super soldier type dude not a super soldier there's no superpowers in this okay let's chill out he's just a very good player of he's like an expert call of duty player uh real life style um basically so he's hired and he's kind of a mercenary now and he's been hired to kind of it's set in india and he's basically trying to extract the son of a powerful indian crime lord who's been abducted by another crime lord and there's this whole kind of action espionage thing to how it's basically get this kid a smash and grab job and get him out of the city to an extraction point. But of course, things do not go as planned. And so he basically has to kill half of India to get this kid out and, and save the day. But I just wanted to kind of quick touch on that, mostly because I thought we'd be a little lighter on content today. And mostly because <laughs> it's, it's literally like the only... <laughs> big movie really i mean we did the other one which is like code eight this is the other big kind of celebrity starring role movie that we have right now and it just came out so extraction um is directed by sam hargrave who is a stunt man and of course you could tell this movie is just like wall-to-wall stunt work uh it is not in a lot of way of characterization you you like literally meet the extraction kids What's that? in one scene uh, the game, Tell me about that, Kofi. Yeah, the I, rival I, I, crime lord. The rival crime lord is just a guy who cuts off children's fingers on a roof in one scene. Oh, uh. And like, yeah, that's just, and that's all you know about them. And Chris Hemsworth guy, a guy is a guy who survived in a lot of his other unit. Didn't. I love how you don't even yeah. re- like right. recall his name. It's Chris Hemsworth. Oh, it's a terrible name. His name's Tyler, Tyler Rake. Rake. Yeah, Tyler yeah. Rake. Oh my God. There's like a man a, with a rake in the movie. That's like a, a video game name. That's like a very video game. <laughs> the, this um, movie's a video game. Dude, his little quarry, the kid he's protecting, actually makes a joke. There's a funny, one of the actually only funny scenes of writing, and this is him kind of talking to him about like, being a super action dude named Tyler. He's like, you don't look like a Tyler. And he's like, his last name is Rake. And he's like, is that real or something? Like, and like <laughs> the one, the part. one funny thing to about the, aside, aside from that, there's a scene and it sounds really bad where Tyler Rake just beats the snot out of a bunch of children. <laughs> and that sounds really bad, but it, it <laughs> actually think? works really well in the movie. Yeah. I was child, told that before I watched it. child soldier children. Like, right. you know, well, yeah. even then it's like, okay, this is bad because I know he murders a bunch of people. I'm like, I don't want to see him just like, gritty like yeah but what happens is these these child soldiers attack him and he is not going to kill them because the line for being a hero in this movie is not killing children that's the standard for being a hero in this film that's the only thing about him you know that is any good is that he doesn't kill kids which i thought was normal but apparently it means you're the star of the movie and like all these child soldiers come at him and he's like and they're all trying to shoot him with guns he's like he'll pick up the gun he'll like throw him off and then like some and he'll you know, drop another one backhand backhands one. And and it's really funny because he's trying to like, okay, I'm not going to kill you because you're children and that's wrong, but go away. He's sweating like flies. It's very funny. Um, It's actually the best characterization scene in the whole movie because it's the only characterization scene in the whole movie. I mean, it tells you this guy is like just how an elite soldier he is, but like has morals and stuff. And like, that's the best demonstration of it. The action in the movie, you mentioned Sam Hargrave, the, the, the good thing about, because I movie was okay. The, the good thing about this movie is Sam Hargrave's direction. He was Captain America's stunt double for a while. He was a stunt coordinator for Endgame. He knows his stuff when it comes to hand-to-hand combat and action. And you can tell with what he does with the camera. It's really well-directed action work. Um, yeah. it's, it's got a little bit of shake to it, but it's not like hard to watch. It's really, really well choreographed. Um, there's that 12-minute long one-shot scene yeah, in the middle. That's, that's crazy. And, 
I mean, he was he strapped himself to the top of a car for the chase because he wanted to get the. He didn't put a camera guy on there. He didn't put a camera on there. He got on the car with it to like follow the action. Um, there's the the scene that I actually really appreciated was a little thing, but there's a, a part where at the, at the end of the trailer where Hemsworth throws the kid from one rooftop to the other and he jumps after him. The camera jumps right behind Hemsworth and like it's not a drone. It's not smooth. You watch the camera like you can feel it jumping with him, and it's a really it's it's a it's a not quite as good version of what they did in Atomic Blonde, but it was longer and had a chase scene, so it it felt you know bigger. Um, Sam Hargrave really showed that he I think he's got what it takes. He's he knows his stuff. He he did he handled the action really really well. I wish that he had better material to work with because the script is not very good. Joe Russo, for all his accomplishments as a as a director, not a screenwriter, but. Not a, no, not a great screenwriter. I mean, you know it's set in India, and you maybe know the guy's name is Tyler, and he's picking up a kid. Yeah, and he's the oh, white kid. Break. That's that's what you know. It's like, oh, it's the white guy. Go. Yeah. That's, go. that's it. And the ending, I don't know if it's on spoilers, the ending is when I laughed out loud at the final shot. It was oh, yeah. so, dumb. There's, so a, dumb. There's a funny there's a funny kind of ending to the movie. I mean, we'll say spoilers, and it's meant to be ambiguous, which you don't really need in a, in no. a movie like this. They're trying to do like a set yeah. for a sequel. Or I don't know. It's so dumb. Although it does teach you that uh, I'm going to butcher her name. Uh, oh man. The actress who plays Farahani. the lead is, is Farahani. It's her last name. I can do that part. She's great when she gets yeah. something to do. Yeah, no, I know she's, but she's a great part of the movie. She actually like does hold it down as his kind of handler, former advisor. And she has a great scene in the end. Um, but then after that, you see the yeah. kid coming up out of water, like Hemsworth did at the beginning. Yeah. And it's like all big... foggy around him. Yeah, yeah, big spoilers. It's been out for a week. I don't care. No, and, no I'm saying in, in the beginning, he jumps <laughs> off a water. That's how you know he's a badass. It's because he's right. sitting on top of a cliff with a bunch of guys, and he says, hold my beer, and to kind of wake him, sober himself up, he jumps off like a 2,000-foot cliff into the water, which he lands perfectly and sits cross-legged at the bottom of the river so he can meditate. And it's like, try to kill myself now? I don't know. Yeah. That's, the, that's his characterization. And at the end, the kid jumps off into a pool from a uh, uh, diving board and then comes back up, and he's like kind of you know, brushing off of his eyes and then like off past him, you see a guy with like a hat on, like worn down, like walking up to the edge of the pool and the kid looks over while it's still blurry and it ends. And it's because like, it looked like he died. It looked yeah. like he died. Saving he very, yeah. he got shot a lot. Oh, of he times. got shot a lot. Yeah. It's he, a very he, he was almost movie. like, he was borderline a, a platoon at the end. Like, yeah. Was, oh dude. Ugh. He was like more like lone survivor. Like, yeah, he got shot up. Like, yeah, it's a very bloody and kind of gory, hardcore action movie. It's very John Wickish, and and yeah, it doesn't pull any punches. But uh, yeah, it is silly in terms of the characterization and stuff. But luckily, you don't need much of that. Like you know, so do you, dude, okay? So do you recommend soldier. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Okay, I do for weekend viewing. I mean, what I mean, else do you have right now? Yeah, in the middle of a pandemic, I recommend it because what else are you going to watch that's new? And, and it's entertaining exciting. in terms of action, like it is. The action, like if, if, if you were paying to go well see this at a theater, I would recommend to not go. Yeah, but I would recommend you watched it at home. Like I would say, when sure. it's on Netflix, turn it on, and it is on Netflix, so turn it on. Um, because, like I said, it's just action. And if you're a person who doesn't like to think too much and like you're watching your popcorn action, like this is haunted ex badass GI Joe goes and saves kid, has a couple moments of funny banter with kid while otherwise doing some brutal things. Netflix has been paying attention yeah. to their audience. Yeah, well, all, well, else while doing brutal things to the human body. So, like, you can't really lose. All right. So that's our review of Extraction. So that'll do it. Uh, Matt, you have some quick comic things we're just going to throw in there real quick. And uh, before we do that, though, let's hype that. Like we said at the beginning of the show, yeah. by the time you hear this, Adam Barnhart will have taken the keys of Quarantine Watch Party and done Daredevil. Uh, so be sure to check out all our coverage on comicbook.com Marvel because these have turned up. I mean, the greatest thing sure, about sure. these besides watching with other people is how they turn up like actual gems of insight about the projects. And so you want to be sure to check out all of that. We, even while we're recording this, you got some good stuff out of daredevil himself, yeah. Mr. Charlie Absolutely. Cox, some great exclusives for us. And I'm sure we're going to have more. Cause I think, uh, yes. Vincent D'Onofrio is going to be mm -hmm. tweeting. That got a whole line act, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could try to sell it, but I don't know all the details. And by the time they oh, hear the, it, everyone besides foggy, cause foggy didn't want to do it, but everyone besides, uh, Eldon Henson, it's, it's going to be on, uh, is on board, was on board. Um, uh, yeah, check it out. Charlie was not, uh, shy with with his talking very 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 nice guy very generous for us um so there's plenty of stuff online 
All right, so check that out, comicbook.com Marvel. Adam, thank you for taking the keys and keeping the quarantine watch party going. And we have more coming up that are going to be fun. So uh, I think Charlie Ridgely might have something in the works. Yeah, we got some Hopefully. Can't talk about it yet, but... No, no, everybody's got stuff in the works. Getting really excited. We're just selling sizzle right here. We're not selling steak. All right. (laughs) So that'll do it for... uh, Oh, wait, Matt, did you have any comics thing real quick? We really got to get out. But if you Uh, have... No, we, we can get out if you need to. That's cool. All right, we'll do it next week. We'll start at the top of next week with hopefully better comic news for you. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just now getting in the show because you're locked down and have no options, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get new episodes of the show every week or you can listen to your favorite podcasts, listening platforms. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, iTunes. Oh, man, I'm dying. I'm freezing up. (laughs) iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, (laughs) Google Playlists. Also, it is sweet it. for Alexa popping that comic book nation. Just is saying it out loud. I, yes, I it does. It they works. Lost, they lost the function for a while, and I was really mad, and so I stopped hyping it. It works. You can it tell works. It's awesome. now. You can go back and tell Google or uh, Google, uh, Amazon Alexa to play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will fire up for you. And mine is probably going to fire up right now because I said that. But uh, yeah, so we're back. <laughs> Alexa, tell Alexa to play Comic Book Nation podcast and, and get it popping. All right, so. If you want to talk to any of us, you can hit us up with the hashtag Comic Book Nation with new ideas, suggestions, commentary on what we talked about, or just if you want to reach out to us. If you want to get us individually, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. At Charlie Ridgely. And at Adam Barnhart. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And if you didn't listen to our last episode, we have an interview with uh, Code 8 star Robbie Amell that was really great, where Matt tries to coerce him into being Green Lantern. Future Kyle Rayner. And so check that out as well, because that episode from this week was a definite winner. 